Lord, what an incredible opportunity to uh, look into your word, the Bible, and to, uh, to grapple with the truth that is expressed there. And we simply pray this morning that we might hear from you, each of us, that uh, we will know the truth of this book and that it will penetrate our hearts and that it will change our lives. God, this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask you a really honest question this morning. And truth be told, it's not the kind of question I'd normally ask at the beginning of a Easter Sunday morning service. But here it is. Do you ever get discouraged in faith? And do you ever find yourself in a place where you think evil is winning? Easter Sunday morning, Chris, and you're asking me that? Yes, I am. Um, you know, the, the reality is we're supposed to come here on an Easter Sunday morning and say, yay, God, what a fantastic thing you have done. What an amazing God you are. Jesus lives. But I want to start here, not finish here. Do you ever get discouraged in faith and do you ever feel that evil is winning? You know, I just think what's happened in the last days in this world of ours. One week ago today, in two Coptic churches in Egypt, bombs exploded and 43 followers of Jesus were killed. Um, A tragic reality. People who, like us, singing praise to God, praying to God, listening to God's word, and in a moment their lives are over. This week or so in the past, we have watched horrific pictures on our television screens of little children gasping for breath as they died because of a um, gas attack by their own government in Syria. Two superpowers in our world are, are at each other's throats today. As we speak, A strike force, the term that is used, is sailing toward the Korean peninsula with the threat of war. I could go on and on and on, right? Murder-suicide in the southern states again this past week. I wonder whether most of you even heard about it because it happens so often now. One spouse walks into a school where the other spouse was teaching kills that person and in the process shoots two children, little children, one of them ending up dead. Unbelievable. And I could go on and on and on. A year ago, a slew of suicides by teenagers in our own county, which stunned us, right? Shocked us. Do you ever wonder if evil is winning? Do you ever get to that point in life where you look at the world and you say, God, where are you? God, what are you doing? How about in your own life? Do you ever get to that place where you look at your own circumstance, the reality of your own heart and your soul and the brokenness that is there, the sin that sometimes takes over and is so powerful and you say, God, could you not just step in and make this right just this once? You know, we stand at the graveside of people that we have lost and tears flow down our cheeks. And we say, God, this is your plan for my life? 
Couldn't it have been different this time? Because of a lot of emotional wounds, very often we suffer in silence with our brokenness, don't we? Don't tell me you don't. Because most people do at one point or another. And we wonder, God, could you not just help me out here a little bit? This depression, this fear, this anxiety, this whatever, could you not just step in and heal me? Sometimes it is a sin that takes hold of our lives as defined by the Bible, by God's word, and, and it takes hold of us and it becomes powerful in us and evil does its work and we can't break free and we call it an addiction today, but it has got us in its power. And we say, where is God? You ever ask the question? You ever get discouraged in your faith? Do you ever come to that point where you wonder whether evil is winning. You know, I wonder if sometimes when I feel like this, and maybe you too, you do too, um, whether we're feeling like the followers of Jesus after he had died on the cross. Um, didn't he walk on the water and show us the reality of God? Didn't he heal the sick, open the eyes, eyes of people who had been blind all their lives and let people walk who were lame? Wasn't he the one you know, who, who, who spoke and calmed the storm so that the wind and the waves just ceased? Wasn't he this powerful one from God who was sent to save us? Wasn't he even the one who raised the dead to life? And now he's gone, beaten and whipped and hanged on a cross. No wonder the people who were doing it mocked him and said, so you're the son of God, are you? I mean, it sure looked in that moment, it looked in that day that, <laughs> that evil was winning. And these people must have asked themselves, God, where are you? God, what are you doing? You know what I need when I feel like it's Good Friday? What I need is Easter Sunday morning. I need to remember that the, Christ wasn't the, the cross wasn't the end of something, but it was, it was the beginning of something. And I need to be told again and again and again the truth and the reality of who Jesus Christ was and is. You know, we've read the story of the resurrection today. It's, a, it's an incredible story. A story about when God the Father, by his spirit, breathed life into the dead body of his son. And Jesus overcame the power of death. We need to remember about the reality of Jesus on the cross and over overcoming the power of evil. We need to remember, we need to know deep in our hearts that Jesus didn't stay dead and that evil doesn't and didn't win in that day because Jesus rose. What I want to do today, my friends, is take you to a passage of Scripture. I will admit today this is a really different passage of Scripture, and I want you to work hard to track with me. Can we agree on that one? But a passage of Scripture that tells us about who Jesus is and what he did. 
It's from Revelation. Who's happy about that? Yeah, not very many hands went up there. <laughs> it's a passage from Revelation. I want to tell you a couple of things about Revelation. Number one, it's a highly symbolic book. Images, symbols mostly taken from the Old Testament, from Ezekiel and from Daniel and various places in the Old Testament are used to communicate the reality of the gospel, the story of Jesus in the book of Revelation. And we understand the symbols from the Old Testament as Jewish people did in that day. They didn't have any problem understanding Revelation when it was sent to them or when they read it. We do because we don't really know those symbols very well. So number one, there are symbols in here, and I'm going to unpack the symbols verse by verse. We're going to work through it together. But number two, I want you to know this, and I want you to remember this, and I want you to keep it in mind as we go. Revelation exists for one purpose. One purpose, and that is to reveal to us the person of Jesus Christ. Do you know who he is? Who do you think he is? (laughs) That sounds a lot like a question Jesus asked his disciples, who do you think that I am? The question of who Christ is is primary in the Christian faith. And I want us today to look at this passage in this book, which tells us who he is. I'm going to read Revelation 1.1 to you. It says this. This is defining the purpose of the book. The revelation of... Say it with me. That's what this is about. That's what this whole book is about. A revelation of the person of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. I'm going to talk to you about Jesus today. And I'm going to ask you, does evil win? Or does it just seem like that? Sometimes. Revelation chapter 5 verse 1 and we're going to go all the way to 10. One or two verses at a time. Um, John is having this vision, the Apostle John, godly, godly man. And he has this vision of heaven and he finds himself in the throne room of God. God the Father is on the throne. And the throne is encircled by 24 elders and four living creatures of odd description, which we're not going to address today. And then this verse is given to us in that context. Then I, John, saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, that is God the Father, a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. God the Father is holding a scroll or a book, if you would, in his hands, which contains, and this is the interpretation, this is the reality, the sovereign plan of God for the entire world. God has designed the future and and he wants it enacted he wants his world changed he wants it made new it says that uh, that the uh, writing is on the front and the back no one can add a thing to what God has written and it's in his hand verse 2 and 3 and I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice who is worthy to break the seals and open the scrolls the scroll but no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it My friends, until someone can open that scroll, God's will and God's purposes cannot unfold in our world. It's not a possibility. And the question that the angel poses is, who is worthy to do this? Verse 4. And I wept. This is John speaking. And I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Here, John is brokenhearted. The future and the, the, of human destiny is in the hands of God, literally. But no one can open the scroll. It's not Abraham and not Moses and not King David and not the Apostle Paul or Peter or John himself. 
And to John, it seems to him that evil will prevail and God's purposes will never be accomplished. And he weeps. I want to tell you, we would weep too if we think or thought that this world which we have now is all we were ever going to get. And if we don't weep, we should. Verse 5, the response, Then one of the elders, one of these 24 elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And my friends, here is the incredible Easter reality. For Jesus is the Lion of Judah, and Jesus is what is described as the Root of David. First of all, the Lion of Judah who has triumphed, it says. He is the one who has triumphed even over evil. And if you want to understand who Jesus is, listen in now. The Lion of Judah is a reference from Genesis 49, verses 9 and 10. He is the king of the powerful tribe of Judah in Israel the most prominent, the most powerful tribe of the 12. This lion of Judah is powerful and he is mighty and he is majestic. The lion then is now is a symbol of royalty and of ultimate authority. This is Jesus Christ from the word of God to us today. And he triumphs over evil and over sin and over death. And in this moment, it is clear to John that he has conquered it. I want to tell you, Revelation 19 points all the way to the end, near the end of the book when this powerful king, this lion of Judah, comes again someday. Revelation 19, verse 16 says this, on his robe, Christ's robe, and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Who is Jesus to you? I want to tell you, Donald Trump and Putin are nothing compared to the king of kings. Isn't that good news? <laughs> he is the sovereign ruler of the world. And then he's called the, the root of David. How can a descendant of David be his root, the one from whom David came? You know, how, how can, as the Bible in the New Testament, with all his genealogies, makes absolutely clear the Messiah who is Christ, or who was Christ when he came, came in the line of David? How can he be the root of David? I tell you, he can because he is the eternal God and he was before David ever existed. He's, he, he, you know, Jesus descended, yes, from him, yet he is the one who is the source of David's life. Do you see it? the eternal God. And it is this one who lived a sinless life and who laid down his life on the cross in obedience to the will of the Father. And it is he who is worthy to open the scroll. So John, as he is instructed in verse 6, looks for this mighty king, this warrior king, this dominant and powerful ruler of all. And what does he see? Verse 6, please. Then I saw... A lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. What does that mean? <laughs> well, he turns and he looks and he sees. My friends, do you see who Christ is? Do you know? Have your eyes been opened to grasp? 
he turned and he looked to see this mighty warrior. But what does he see? He sees a lamb looking as if it had been slain. He sees the person of Jesus bearing the marks of suffering and death. The beatings that he took. The, 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 the scars in his hands and in his side. He sees the suffering lamb, yet at the same time, that lamb is now standing at the center of the throne of God. <laughs> he is standing. Having suffered to bear the sin of the world, now he is alive at the right hand of God the Father, not horizontal on a slab of stone in a tomb somewhere now exalted to the place of supreme authority and of supreme ruler and of power. And he is surrounded by those who are worshiping him. You see, this is Jesus Christ, the triumphant one who has gained victory over evil and sin and death through the cross. He is both the lion and the lamb. Quickly, what about these strange elements, seven horns and seven eyes? And Oh, what's that? Seven's the eternal and perfect number of Scripture. And the horn in Scripture always reverts to power. And Jesus has seven of them. The lamb has seven of them. It speaks to the fact that he is the almighty God, the all-powerful one. And he has seven eyes. It's the eternal perfect number suggesting that he sees beyond what anyone else can see. He has insight and knowledge and wisdom. It's a reference from Genesis chapter 1 where seven times it says that God created, six times that he created on the seventh day. Those seven days in a row, he, he looked back and he saw that it was good. He saw that it was good. And here now is the Son of God who is ready to create again a new heaven and a new earth and to bring the rule of God on earth as it hadn't been since the Garden of Eden. And it is he who it is said who can do it. It is he who can take the scroll and it is he who can break the seals. My friends, the lamb looked beaten and weak and defeated, yet he is the power of God and he will prevail. Verse 7, he went, and Jesus, and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. You see, the scroll he takes from the hand of God, this plan for the earth and the human destiny, which is contained within it. And from chapter 6 and on, the redemptive plan of God begins to unfold as Jesus breaks the seal, one after another, after another, after another. And in the end... Through this process, evil is destroyed and a world of righteousness and of justice and of peace and of grace and of love is formed. A new heaven and a new earth. And it is so because of the person of Jesus Christ. And what does this mean for us today? As we are here to celebrate Easter, what does it mean for you and for me and for us as a church? Well, first of all, listen to me when I say this. It's not Good Friday anymore. <laughs> it just isn't Good Friday anymore. We might ask God, where are you? It might seem to us like evil is too powerful and prevailing, but the truth is that evil is a defeated power and its time is short. Its time is short 
Human destiny is in the hand of the Lion of Judah, Christ himself. He has a plan and he has a purpose and he will accomplish it. And no one can stop him. Now, let me tell you this, that plan includes the suffering of God's people. If you haven't heard that before, hear it now. As Jesus suffered, so will we, at the hand of evil still. Um, in Revelation, it is clearly taught that martyrs will give their lives. And last week they did. And they will again. We as we identify with Jesus, we'll experience the reality of what the Lamb experienced as we sacrifice our lives with humility and love and with grace. But in doing so, the world will be changed. So that in the end of Revelation, what we see is this, this picture of Christ returning to the world as he will, not in weakness, but in power. Revelation 19 11 to 16 says this, I saw heaven standing, this is John speaking again, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. Who are we talking about? Jesus. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. Look at Good Friday, you know why. And his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. That might be you someday. What a thought. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. This is a mighty warrior. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. My friends, in that day, the kingdom of God will come in its fullness and even evil and suffering and death will be done. Let me read to you Revelation 21, 1 to 4. Fabulous verses. Again, part of the vision, then I, John, saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. So the sea represents evil in the, in the Bible in Revelation. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a, beautiful, a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, you see the focus on this book? Keep looking. And I saw, and I saw, and look, look. God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God who looks forward to that day. Next verse. And then this verse, powerful. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Who wants that? Who longs for that day? And there will be no more death. Who longs for that here? Or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away and it is no more. See, all of this because the lion who was also the lamb has suffered and died and been raised to new life to reign in power. You know, one of the really, really cool things about everything that I'm describing to you as I talk about human destiny and the future of what will be in this world of ours is how all of this is going to happen. 
How, how is God going to bring this rule and this reign of the powerful and mighty king to the earth other than his final return, his second coming? I'm going to tell you how he's going to do it. He's going to do it through you, the people of God. Listen to verses 9 and 10 of chapter 5. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on earth. Do you see it? Do you see it, my friends? He makes us into a kingdom of priests to serve his purposes. He makes us a kingdom of priests to accomplish his will on earth. Why am I not called a priest? Why is my designation a minister or a pastor? Well, two reasons I want to suggest to you today. One is that we have a great high priest in heaven. He is Christ himself. But secondly, because what this text says to us and what the Bible says elsewhere is that we are all priests to God. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says an incredible thing. You are a chosen people. You are a holy nation. You are a royal priesthood uh, to declare the praises of him who has taken you from, to declare the praises of Christ. My friends, I want to tell you here and now, this is who you are. You are an army of the Lord. We together are an army of the King of Kings to bring the love and the grace and the peace and the justice and the righteousness which God so desires into this world. We are priests who are here in order to tell other people of Jesus. We are priests who are here to pray for those people that they might enter into this kingdom of God. This is who we are. We are an Easter people. This is the purpose of our lives. This is the purpose of the church. And this is what it means for us as a church. What does it mean for us as individual people? Well, let me say this to you, and I want you to hear it loud and clear. Do not for a minute ever believe that evil is winning in spite of what you see. God is not absent from us. Never think that. God is in control. God is at work, even when it seems that he isn't. And in spite of what appears, we see and we believe the reality of, that is revealed to us in Revelation chapter 5, and we, will, we never give up. Listen, I want to say this to you. Because of books such as this, we know who wins. And we are on the winning side. Evil is still at work, and evil can still harm us. But in the end, the New Testament describes it as a defeated foe. For Christ is Lord, and Christ and his people will prevail. Now, I don't know about you and your struggles. I don't. I don't know how evil has impacted your lives. I don't know about the wounds which are in your heart because of what evil has done to you. I don't know about the sin that has taken hold in your life and is powerful so much so that you can't break free from it. I don't know how evil has affected you, but this I know, you have such struggles because you are human and we live in this world where the prince of the power of the air is named the devil. 
We have an enemy, the Bible says, who prowls like a lion. I love how that's stated. A lion who seeks to devour us, to destroy us. Did you notice what it says? He is like a lion. He is not a lion. He is definitely not the lion. Jesus is. And he seeks to destroy the people of God and the work of God in this world. And I say to you what John wrote in in one of his epistles. Listen to me. If you know nothing else as you leave here today, listen to me. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. The mighty, powerful, reigning king of kings and lord of lords dwells in you if you are his. It's a remarkable thing. And his power is available to you in the overcoming of evil in this world and the, 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 the capacity to prevail in difficult and painful times. I'm going to read Ephesians 1, verses 18 to 20 to you, and I want you to listen. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. There it is again. Open up your eyes. See and understand. I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he, Jesus, has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great, listen, power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in the, also in the one to come. You know what that says to us, my friends? That means that the power of the Lion of Judah is at your disposal. Christ, by his spirit, the mighty warrior king, dwells in you, and his power is available to you regardless of your circumstance, and he will enable you to prevail, and he will enable you to overcome. Do we grasp that reality? I want to say this to you. We are not meant to live defeated lives. You aren't, if you're a a follower of Jesus, meant to live a defeated life. You are not meant to be burdened forever by sin and its power. You are not meant to live with the brokenness in your heart that exists because of what evil has accomplished in you. Christ's power is ours to overcome the power of evil and to set us free. And I say to you this morning, this Easter morning, when we celebrate the the reality that the King of Kings is alive and that the Lord of Lords reigns as the Lion of Judah, I say to you this morning, seek him with all of your heart until you find the abundant life that he, Jesus, promised to you. Never give up until you take hold of that reality. The Bible says, how do you do that? The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Can I ask you right now, do you resist the devil? Do you ever give him a passing thought? Or are you just living your life with this lion-like being who seeks your destruction and act as if he's not real, act as if he's not there? Resist the devil and what will happen? He will flee from you. He will run away. How do you do that? Will you do this? Literally, will you pray against the work of evil and the devil in your life every day? Will you pray against the work of evil in the life of your family? Will you pray against the work of evil in the life of your church? Because he seeks to destroy what God is building up. Will you pray against the work of the devil in your community? 
and in your country and in your world. You see, we get to pray in the powerful and authoritative name of Jesus. And that is effective against the work of the devil in our life, in our lives. And I say to you too, we're going to spend a little more time of this, on this as the spring unfolds. But we need to learn to speak against the work of the devil also. In the name of Jesus, exercising the power of Christ so that we are set free. My friends, I want you to understand this Easter, the reality of who Jesus is. I want you to understand the reality that he is the Lion of Judah and he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I want you to learn how to engage in the battle and I want you to learn how to resist the devil so that he does flee, so that we can build this world that God calls us to build, a world of peace and a world of justice and a world of righteousness and a world of love and a world that is dominated by the grace of God. That's what's in this scroll. Clearly, that's what God desires of us. We need to become an Easter people. We need to believe with all of our hearts. We need to see the reality no matter what our circumstance might look like. And we need to give our lives in faith to engagement, to prevailing, to overcoming until this world is made new and Jesus Christ returns. On that day, the Bible says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Who wants that? My friends, what does Easter say to us this year? Easter says, know who Jesus is. Know who you are in him. Know your enemy, yes, but know that that enemy is a defeated foe. And give yourself in power and in strength and in faith and in love to the work of God that it was contained in that scroll and exists still today until the new heaven and the new earth is a reality. And the will of God is done not only in your life, but in this world. Let's pray. Lord, it's an amazing thing that through the book of Revelation and the vision that you gave to John that we get to peer into the reality of heaven. And we get to see, we get to look and see and understand what you have done in the person of Jesus and what you continue to do in him. Oh God, how we praise you that you sent your son to overcome and overpower evil. And that as he died on the cross, he made it possible for our sin to be forgiven and, our, and for us to be yours. And in his resurrection, God, he overcame death and he overcame sin and he overcame evil so that it is a defeated foe. And God, we celebrate that as your people, your church, we have the opportunity in the name of Jesus and by the power of Jesus to participate in what he is doing and changing this world and making it new according to your purpose and your plan. God, I pray for every person here. I pray that they will see and that they will understand who Christ is. And I pray, Lord, that they will know the power that is at work within them, that same power that raised Christ from the dead, so that they can resist the devil so much so that he flees from them, that they might know the abundant life in Christ, that they might know healing, that they might know joy, that the Lord, they might know who they are as priests unto God, that they might live their lives to serve this King of kings and this Lord of lords. 
God, how we pray today, this Easter Sunday morning, that you will use us in a powerful way to bring your kingdom on earth, that your will might be done. It's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray.